This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 115 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady and David. We are finally going to be talking about some wins again as the Panthers men's basketball team swept their Louisiana road trip. They'll now return home to host the Alabama schools and we'll set up those matchups later. There's also a few football and conference realignment notes to mention. But first, basketball. It was a winning time once again for Georgia State as they knocked off Louisiana 68-64 on Thursday night and beat ULM 73. 362 on Saturday afternoon to finish off the weekend sweep. The Panthers' first wins in over a month and first wins against Division I competition since they beat High Point on November 21st. The showdown with the Cajuns came down to the final minute when Justin Roberts took over. He hit a rough falling away jumper to give State a three-point lead with 50 seconds left and after Louisiana split a pair of free throws, came up with a steal and a pair of free throws himself in the final 10 seconds to seal the win. Jalen Thomas came off the bench for the first time all season and co-led the team with 14 points alongside Kane Williams. The win came off the back of excellent late-game defense as State held Louisiana without a made field goal over the final 6 minutes and 23 seconds of play. This trend continued on Saturday when the Panthers held ULM without a made field goal over the final 7 minutes and 27 seconds as they took control of the game. The Warhawks got a three-pointer with literally no time left on the clock, but by that point, the double-digit victory was sealed. The team's shooting percentages shot up in the win, thanks in part to Corey Allen's 6-for-11 day on three-pointers. He and Kane Williams had 18 points each to lead all scorers, and Eliel Sassime added a double-double with 13 points and 13 boards. The two wins make Georgia State 8-9 and nine on the season and move them up to a tie for 10th place in the Sun Belt with Little Rock with a 2-4 and four conference record. So, gentlemen, thoughts on the Louisiana school games? This man is out here just dumping a metric ton of sand on the lead. Georgia State won their first conference game. Like, that, that has to mean something. <laughs> I don't know. I think the uh, inadequate lead is that they hadn't won against a Division I team in basically two months. Like... Well, when you put it that way, that just makes it sound even worse. Right. I mean, I think we covered like the football team won two games in between the last time we did a podcast and they stopped playing in December. The basketball team in total since that last win and won two games against neither. It was one against Voorhees. One was against Tacoa Falls. Like it really is for as much as we talk about sports. And I feel like sometimes looking for the positives in things, it's we should probably take some time and just acknowledge like it had been a while since they had won a meaningful game. And I think the way that the losses happened in the preceding weeks made it feel even worse just because there were how many games right there in conference play, let alone the Georgia Tech game where you had your opportunities to win, you just couldn't do it. So, you know, I'm sure as much as any Georgia State fan would love to win a game by 40 and do it every time. I think there was some poetic justice in that this was another game against Louisiana that went right down to the wire. And this time they pulled it out. You know, it wasn't third times the charm. It was like fourth or fifth times the charm. But the charm was had. The win was had and very much needed win. I like how you said that, because you're absolutely right. You know, Georgia State, it kind of went a little bit similar to that App State game from a few weeks ago 
where uh, you know Georgia State kind of got got down a decent bit. Um, you know, it just seemed like Louisiana had all that momentum in the second half, and then you know Georgia State was just like, "All right, all right, come on." And they kind of flipped the scripts uh, in a way on their, you know, late game performance. You know, there wasn't a buzzer beater that turned things around for the other team. And, you know, they I think that Georgia State looked like a very competent team. They just missed a good bit of some shots. Um, You know, they were they're starting to fall. They're definitely starting to fall. Um, they were six of 18 from three against Louisiana, um, which is lower than you'd expect Georgia state to be, but you know, it's better than the week before. Um, there's some encouraging signs there. Um, and I think like, like I said, in the second half, they played much better. Um, but it's just, it's weird, you know, like, I'll be honest with you. I didn't expect Georgia state to win against Louisiana. Um, just it being a road game rivalry game, you know, teams still working through some things. I think Georgia state is more talented than Louisiana. Um, I just, I just will be honest and say that I didn't foresee a victory. Um, but I'm sure that that was a really nice victory to get. And, you know, one thing that coach Lanier mentioned after the Louisiana Monroe game is kind of this emphasis on defense that we've been seeing from the Panthers, you know, and, you know, that that has been really apparent the last couple of games because, you know, Georgia State forced another like 20 turnovers against Louisiana. Like they look really good defensively these days. It's it's honestly a complete 180 from the beginning of the season. Yeah, a couple of things. Just the first thing on talking about it didn't come down to a buzzer beater or whatever. That was kind of of Georgia State's making in the Louisiana game. Louisiana never had the ball, except if you want to count that you know, fast break when they threw the pass downfield that just intercepted to get the free throws. They didn't get into a situation where it was in the other team's hands. You know, Justin Roberts hits that shot to go up by three. Louisiana gets fouled at the other end, splits the two free throws, so it stays a two-point game. They ran the clock down. Louisiana playoffs defense in that final minute, which I think was the right call, and they ended up getting the ball. They probably... Might have had an outlet pass there, but I still think maybe they probably should have, you know, played it out. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it was a pretty reckless pass. Justin was on it. He got fouled. He hit his two free throws. And at that point, with six seconds left, you're up four. All you have to do there is just not foul a three-point shooter. And times against Louisiana, and as it happens, they didn't get any points on it. They missed a three. They missed a putback at the buzzer. And so unlike those other games, you kind of did enough in the late the late minutes of the game to not really give Louisiana a chance. Whereas app had the ball with the shot clock dead down one with the chance to take that lead. Um, and I, I, it goes back to, like you said, the defense didn't allow a basket in the final six minutes and Louisiana missed free throws. They helped you out with that, but Georgia state's been doing a little bit of that luck. Like that isn't why they've lost games. It's not like, Oh, they're unlucky, but they just, they have earned a little bit more luck than they've been getting. And so thanks to the Cajuns for obliging with some missed free throws. And then the rest of it, just good work down the stretch. Something you'd expect from this team, given how senior laden they are. And you're starting to see it. And I don't think, like you said, the shooting percentages weren't where you want them to be still. But it seemed like all three of the main guards, Corey, Kane, and Justin, were playing pretty under control for most of the game. 
which hasn't necessarily been the case in some of these games. I mean, Coastal, they were all kind of on tilt and just throwing up shots, and there were stretches where it was getting kind of ugly just because you could tell they really wanted it. And that wasn't really the case in this game. They still missed the shots, but I thought there were a lot better looks in the game. I thought they weren't forcing them. And I mean, it started from this the, for the first section where, you know, first play of the game, Kane draws a foul on a three, hits all three free throws. The next one, Justin gets fouled on a three point, hits two of the three. It just felt like from the start, it, that felt in retrospect, like a sequence that was like, all right, they're not beating themselves today. You know, we we talked about coming into the season, how the depth was going to be really important for Georgia State. And it is starting to be important. But your comment about the seniors, like, yes, absolutely correct. The seniors have started to assert themselves in the ways that we thought that this experience would be the difference maker for this team. You know, like Kane has has very quietly been phenomenal at the line lately. Um, And I feel like we should point that out a little bit because it, you know, it hasn't always been, it hasn't always been the case last it year. There times it was like, like, and the thing is with as much as he gets to the line, if he's not shooting right. them, it's actually not a positive. Like if he is getting to the line double digit times a game and not, you know, he's hitting in the sixties or even the low seventies, like that ends up not really working in your favor because that possession, you know, free throws are only good if you're making them. And, but he's up around 80%. And did incredible. not miss one. It was 10 of 10 in these two games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back one game further, he was six of seven against Coastal. Like that's, I mean, you know, don't miss a free throw. But like he has been incredibly efficient at the line. And he, I mean, he's getting to the line. Like if you look, you look at his uh, from the floor percentage, it doesn't look good. And he, you know, he's a guy who loves to drive, but you know, he's finally starting to hit free throws and it's being able to keep Georgia state in games, you know? And I want to talk about Jalen Thomas for a second, because coming into this game, you know, I started to, beat that Jaheim Hudson drum that you've been beating, you know, and I'm sure coach, you know, coach and company have noticed that Jaheim has been playing really well. Um, and I, you know, I thought that Jalen, you know, getting that first off the bench assignment against Louisiana, he had a little bit of something to prove. And I thought that he delivered, you know, he had a tie for the team high 14 points, but what was impressive to me was how he was being efficient with his shot. You know, he was hitting that, you know, paint jumper that we've, you know, come to know that he can hit, you know, they, they weren't missing. He was cleaning up inside a little bit. And, you know, I think you, you, you pointed out that Georgia state has had some trouble with outlet, pa- uh, sorry. Uh, you know, passes into the paint. Entry passes. Entry passes. Thank you. Um, But I think Jalen has found a way to still be useful without being the centerpiece that, you know, we kind of expected him to be and take that step forward. And, you know, it, it goes to that, it goes to that depth thing that I mentioned, like the team, they're finally starting to share the ball a little bit more. They're finally starting to look like they're enjoying playing again. And it's, it's nice that they got this win the weight has definitely lifted off their shoulders. And then Saturday, you got <clears throat> what ended up looking like maybe more comfortable win than it was most of the day. I mean, it was weird because for all the positives we've seen in the defense, ULM was shooting way above their clip for most of that game. And even in the second half, had a lead. But then Georgia State down the stretch, like they did against App, like they did in the Louisiana game, 
big stretch where they didn't have any made field goals. And I think that there were still some opportunities missed offensively to kind of put that game away earlier and maybe win by more than let's really just say by 14. Like they won by 11, but like that last shot, whatever. Like if you got your three point, there, still a double digit loss. Like congrats. congrats. Like, um, but it, they still took care of business and it wasn't, it, like I said, it was a positive, I think, for the team to get the game on Thursday where they had to grind it out. But it was also a positive that Saturday could be a game where the result was a little more settled by the end and you didn't have to go for all 40 minutes by the final two, three minutes. It was kind of you would have to start making every mistake to let them back in the game. And I, the shooting is just going to continue to unlock or it's not. But you were definitely encouraged to see Corey have a great, great game and Six of 11, all of the shots he took were threes. And I think that that, that mode kind of works when they're going in, but also it works when he's taking the looks he was getting. I mean, he was getting a little bit of space. His feet were set. He was putting them up. Or there were a couple he created off his own dribble, which hasn't been as much of the norm for the team. And it's kind of the danger zone where maybe if they do that too much, they start one and done on offense too much. But it was working. And the rest of the team had stuff working on the inside. You know, LEL, 13 points, Mr. Steady, uh, four blocks against Louisiana, two against ULM. And there's an, uh, Kane was six of 12 from the, from the field, and that's you know, the two of six from three. But again, in the moment, it felt like the looks were good. It wasn't really forcing it, just the numbers... That's how many shots they took. Like it is going to be a team with these guards that they're going to put up threes when they think they've got the look, and that's not really going to change. And it'll be a positive if the shots are going in, and more of a negative if they aren't. And you know, I don't know what's up. You know, Justin just hasn't been making shots again. I think that the looks he was taking for the most part were good. That he wasn't really forcing them, but he's been offering a lot. I mean, he single-handedly took over the end of that game and doing a lot of the little stuff well. And so you think that the shot's going to come along with that. And going back to the three real quick, I think what was encouraging, though, was the kind of the way that they improved in the second half. You know, they were three of 11 in the first half. It was just Corey who hit three, you know, three threes. And, you know, I thought they were good looks for the most part. Like you said, I definitely think that, you know, you'll find your shot for a lot of these players. They'll find their shot. And Corey's first couple of uh, attempts, you know, didn't go in, but he kept shooting. And, you know, that's what you want to see. And in the second half, it became a situation where more than just Corey was hitting shots from there. And, you know, you look at the 35%, it's not like, it's not the sexiest of numbers, obviously. But it is encouraging to see that the team was able to play a game where like, I think this was the first game that Georgia state has had in a while where they just played a game where ultimately they were the more talented team and they just played like it for a significant portion of the game. And this was the game more than the Louisiana game where the depth mattered. ULM only played six guys, two of the guys they played, played every second of the game. And by the end of the, you know, by the end of the afternoon, the shots were coming up short. You could tell the tired legs were having an effect for ULM. And we've seen start of the start of the sub packages like we've been used to Georgia State of under Coach Anir, where he likes to have guys run shorter shifts. 
And you'd think against a team who's only playing six guys that that would matter. And down the stretch, that's in fact what happened. And so I don't think that beating ULM by 11 on the road is anything more or less than what you would expect from this team if you think that they are what they can be. That makes sense. But it was a win, a double-digit win, and that is what you needed. Like, it didn't over-exceed expectations where it just suddenly changed the trajectory. You didn't go out there and put up 90 and shoot 55% from the floor. But you did look good, and you did look good down the stretch, and that's a... And the other thing is just you won both of these games doing what you did well. Like, you turned the ball over. Defensively, you got turnovers, and you didn't turn the ball over as much on offense. Like, that has been the formula. Like Even when they've been losing games, that's kind of been the constant. And you're kind of seeing the other stuff happen better so that that matters again. And that's so, something that I think can keep happening. Like, there might be a game here or there where Georgia State doesn't force as many turnovers or a game where they have a couple more than they should. That kind of happened against Louisiana. But, like, this team, the the one part even through the struggles that has come from having your seniors is that the turnover numbers have been lower and that you have been forcing them because of the guys you've gotten, how you run defense. And they're started to really get into that flow, like David was talking about earlier. But... That's, you know, now mattering. And that's instead of being like, this is happening and it's going well, but they lost the game. That's happening. And the other stuff is going better. So you're able to now talk about wins. They don't foul a lot either. You know, Um, there might be some players who individually get in foul trouble. You know, not this weekend specifically, um, but like Georgia State has done a pretty good job of minimizing fouls, uh, which is really important. Uh, yeah, and something I, we talked about this, I think, last pod as well. But it's something that the team has struggled with, even in the couple of years where things were going better under Coach Denier. So, definitely something that's gotten better this year. Which, <laughs> if we can be honest, there hasn't been a ton of places where you can say this team has been better than previous years with Georgia State basketball. So, it is worth pointing out that that was a place where that's been the case. And that kind of just brings me into my final point, like from the weekend is. I feel like Georgia State played their best game against Louisiana Monroe. You know, I don't think that's I'm sorry, their best game in a, in a significant amount of time. I don't think that's a hot take or anything like that. But even if you, if you look at all of the Sun Belt losses before this weekend, I think there were a lot of things that Georgia State did in those games that weren't different from what they did in this game. They're just starting to hit more shots. And yep. that that is important. Obviously, you know, you need an offense. But if Coach Lanier is able to change the identity of this team on the fly and still turn them into what they, you know, people thought that they could be coming into the season, one, hats off to him. Two, that just goes to show you the talent level that is on this team. And you know what? They're college kids. Sometimes they miss shots. Sometimes there's a, a large extraneous circumstance that causes them to, you know, not be able to practice and, you know, whatnot. But the point is they're figuring, they might be figuring it out. You know, I think this weekend is going to be an incredible barometer to see, you know, what level of figuring it out that they're at, you know, they're back home. They're against, it's, you know, better competition, but you know, you're back home, Georgia state still really good in the sports arena, you know? So 
hopefully that translates into another good weekend. But, you know, I think if the team is playing the defense that it is playing right now and they're finally starting to hit shots, like, I mean, Justin had a good game against Louisiana. Like, it was decent, but, you know, he didn't really do anything against, except for down the stretch, like you mentioned, against Louisiana Monroe. But, you know, he could have a good game this weekend. You know, that's that's the next piece of the puzzle to get unlocked for Georgia State. Yeah, someone on this pod, and it might have been me, uh, someone wise said, if Georgia State gets at least to the bare minimum of like 40% from the field and 30% from three, they'll win the games doing the things that they've been doing recently. And they ended up at 41.7% shooting against Louisiana, 33% percent on three and then against yeoman row it was 45.9 percent and 32 percent so might have just nailed exactly what needed to happen just make more shots i'm a genius you know um but like on a serious note like that it really wasn't going to take that much like they you were in all of those games down the stretch and all that was different in this game is that you did make more shots and sometimes that's as simple as it gets uh the other thing i wanted to mention uh random aside uh can we talk about the horn going off in the middle of a play down the stretch against Louisiana that like felt like a really bad management of the situation by the refs because like Justin Roberts was in the middle of a shot. The horn went off. I don't know why the shot went, didn't go in. Louisiana had the rebound and play continued. And coach near was like, um, the horn went off when he was taking a shot. Like, why did that count? Why did we not take it out of bounds? I like I understand I'm general, you know, team play on or whatever, but like that one didn't really make a lot of sense. And I feel like games have been stopped for much less things. Like, I, I don't really know how they like, yeah, I get it. To continue. The, no one wanted that to happen. I'm not saying like someone set off the horn to distract Justin Robertson who's taking a shot, but like it did happen. He was in the middle of the shot when it happened. And it's like come on, what are we doing here? Like, thankfully that was not a focal point of this pod or like a, a significant moment from where it turned because, you know, the horn off, maybe the horn going off jinxed Louisiana the rest of the way. I guess maybe that's the silver, the, t- the takeaway is the, the, right. the horn first them. It's like the new Billy goat. So Jordan, here's what we need you to do. We need you to go find out whatever the horn is for the, cause I know you know the answer, find out whatever the horn is for the football team and slip it into the Georgia state sports arena and just like, you know, press a button from your remote location, wherever, you know, that may be. You know, David, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, one night last year I was kind of bored. So I sat down and I tried to figure out exactly what notes the train horn in the Center Park Stadium plays. And I figured out it is a half diminished seventh chord with the root of C. It's a C, an E flat, a G flat and a B flat. And then I think there's another C on top. I'm not entirely sure, which based on the research I did at the time. Yes, I wrote this down. Yes, I'm a nerd. No, I will not be taking further questions. It is most likely a Nathan K. 5HL, which happens to be standard equipment on new General Electric locomotives. Uh, we're not putting that in the sports arena, all jokes aside. So let's go ahead and move on to the Alabama schools coming to the sports arena this week. Troy on Thursday at 7 p.m., South Alabama at 2 p.m. on Saturday afternoon. Troy comes into the game with a 14-7 record, tied for third in the Sun Belt at 5-3 in conference play. Trojans led by Scott Cross in his third season in Troy. He was previously the head coach of his alma mater, UTA, from 2006 to 2018. They are bang in the middle of the conference in sixth place in both points per game at 71.5. 
6.4 and points allowed per game, 65.7. But they currently have the best defensive efficiency in conference play, according to KenPalm.com. As for South Alabama, this is a rematch of a January 13th game in Mobile, which the Panthers lost 74-65. That win set South Alabama on a five-game streak, which was broken when they lost at Troy this past weekend. Jags are 15-6 on the season, as well as being the team Troy are tied in third place with, with a 5-3 record in conference, although that will be a 6-3 or 5-4 mark when Saturday's game happens. They head down to Georgia Southern first on Thursday. So, gentlemen, what are your thoughts about the Alabama schools coming in? Yeah, I mean, David talked about it a little bit uh, when we were talking about the previous games, but, like, it's a good set of teams. Scott Cross is kind of building up that Troy team, kind of how, how he built up the UTA team, probably faster than I think a lot of people thought. And they seem legit. I don't know if they're... Top of the conference legit. We'll see where they end up when the season's done, but they've definitely moved off of the basement layer of the Sun Belt. And I think that's only going to continue, especially if he can get some of the top end, like if he can get like a Kevin Hervey, like he had at UTA, Troy's going to be rolling pretty soon. I never doubted Cross was going to get it right there. Always thought he was a really good coach at UTA. Uh, I will use the opportunity again just to mention. I think it was a terrible decision for them to fire him, and it seems to not really getting... There's no evidence to the contrary yet, especially as he's now taking a conference mate to a better position than you're in. But digressing from that, they're good. South Alabama right now, if I had to be honest, is probably who I would pick right now in the Sunbelt tournament. I think they're a really good offensive team. They're doing enough defensively with forcing turnovers and... The experiment that Richie Riley does where just bringing in a lot of transfers every year is definitely dicey. And there have been years since he's been at South Alabama that it hasn't clicked, but it feels like right now they're clicking and they're a team that's already beat Georgia State. So for that reason, it's going to be a, cup, a tough couple of games. And at the same time, Georgia State winning both of them would get them back above 500 and get them to 500 in conference play. So you got in the zone four holes, so you've got these two tough games, but okay, you're probably still going to have to go win both of them anyway at home. Yeah, it really kind of sucks for the Panthers. Um, you know, the reality of the situation is if you want to achieve your goals, you're just going to have to kind of put up or shut up at this point. Um which this is a Georgia State team that is perfectly capable of beating that challenge, I will say. Um these are two teams that are above you in the standings. Um, there are two teams who have had a, you know, much more consistent schedule throughout the year. But I think if we're looking at the talent on the court, I think Georgia state is better than both of these teams. I think South Alabama is closer. South Alabama is definitely, uh, that's going to be a tougher game for Georgia state just because, you know, they're kind of rolling right now. Uh, I agree with you. I think South Alabama is probably the team to beat in the Sun Belt. Um, you know, no disrespect to the six game win streak that app States had, but you know, I just, I really like what Riley's done there. Um, it's a very, uh, teeter totter type of system, but you know, so far it's the, the ups have been up and you know, the downs have been down. Um, but the, you know, they're playing good basketball right now and this is going to be, it's not make or break for Georgia State in terms of their season goals. You know, this is a mid-major conference. They could still win the Sun Belt tournament. But I think 
if you want to get out of this hole, like this is going to be a really good barometer for Georgia State to see if they are actually, you know, have they figured things out? Are, you know, are they going to be a team that's, you know, going to scare some people coming into Pensacola? Or are they going to be a team that's going to have to kind of fight and be scrappy and, you know, play above their belt a little bit uh, as a lower seed? So, you know, like we know that Georgia State's record is not indicative of the talent on the court. Like we know that every all of the announcers that talk about it in watch Georgia State, they all see that, you know, but that being said, there this isn't the team that everybody thought that it was going to be because your record is what it is. You know, they're they're not going to be undefeated in conference player. You know, right right now they're not first in the Sun Belt. There are teams with you know what are they six games back, four games back of the first seed in the Sun Belt. So you know you got to claw out of that hole somehow, and you know this is another good opportunity for that to happen. Yeah, and just on another level. Georgia State's lost three home games already this year. I, I haven't done the research on this, but I can't imagine that's happened total over any season very often in the last few years. Like, sports arena has been a place where you rack up wins, and like that's what every team aspires to do with making their home arena their fortress. But Georgia State's done that well and truly over since we've been around the program. You know, since Coach Hunter turned it up and made it what it was under him like it has been really hard place to win and this year you've already lost three games there so you kind of want to restore some of that home court pride and you know i feel weird even of saying that i think that south alabama is maybe the best team right now and the team because i also think that it's possible that troy is the tougher game here this week just for the fact that the way that georgia state's been winning has been really good defense making enough shots and if you look at the styles, Troy's kind of suited for a game like that. They're the best defensive efficiency in conference play. Georgia State's at third in that uh, marker. They rebound well. They don't allow very many made threes. They're second in the conference in 28.6 three-point percentage in conference play. 47.2% allowed a made threes. And... Those are both areas where Georgia State has struggled, and we think the shooting's turning around, but it's kind of kind of have to happen because you're making more shots this game rather than expecting that Troy's going to give you a lot of opportunities. Like you might have to make some shots with hands in your face, and there might be possessions where Troy has got you 25 of the 30 seconds where they've defended well, and you just need to make a play in that final five seconds. And so I'm definitely not taking them lightly, even while I give a lot of praise for what South Alabama has been able to do because you're going to have to maybe see the Georgia state that we haven't seen this year. That is shooting really well, even if the defense has been solid and if they're playing another game, like they had the last couple of games. Yeah. They won in Louisiana games, but this might be the school that if you play that way and you're not able to make enough shots, even on top of the improvements you made last week, they would be perfectly happy to grind out a win like that. They would. And, you know, that's kind of been their style, too, uh, which Georgia State has been able to come on top of games like that. You know, Georgia State is no stranger to, you know, kind of slowing things down and grinding out wins, even though that's not their preferred style. But you're right. Like they they have been struggling to find their shot. It's been getting better, but, you know, you'd feel much more confident with Georgia State being able to win a game like that if they were, you know, kind of still running up that 80 points per game pace and, you know, 
sitting somewhere near the 50s and 40s uh, from behind the arc in their percentages. So, you know, if it is that type of game, I think that does favor Troy. So Georgia State's going to need to find a way to play clean and, you know, run a little bit like they're normally used to. It's not all without disadvantages matchup wise, because Georgia State has been prolific at forcing turnovers and Troy second to last in turnover percentage on offense in the conference in conference play. Just the 21 and a half percent of possessions they have ended in turnover. Um, Georgia State is forcing a turnover on one every four possessions almost like that's great. And the other place where you maybe can exploit and then something that you're looking to do better anyway we were talking about how Kane was making more free throws, but Georgia State could stand to take more free throws and free throws in general. Um, and Troy is fouled a lot, gives up a lot of foul shots so far this season. And so that might be, you might be able to find, well, they're playing tough defense. They're in your face. You might be able to get a step, draw some contact and get to the line and See more of that from more than just Kane. See that more from Corey. See that more from Justin. But like I made the point earlier, like it is only a viable strategy if you're then making the foul shots. But those are two areas where I think that if you look at that game, just based on where these two teams have been this season, might be areas where it's not just all Troy's going to grind it down. Like I'm not saying everything is stacked against Georgia State. I think that's a couple of places they can maybe take advantage. They're going to need to, you know, like that's a, a sweep this weekend. Like you said, getting them back to 500 in the conference, getting them over 500 for the season. The, you know, mental boost that that would provide cannot be understated. And then I guess just quickly, because we did talk about South Alabama because that that game actually happened. The Troy one is the one that got canceled. I, it's the, kind of the same thing. We know who those guys are. You got Chandler, you got Mitchell, Lance Thomas hit a bunch of threes against Georgia State in the last game. And so you got to watch out for that. But that's going to be that one where you're going to want to be back to. If you let South Alabama find the rhythm on offense, they're a great offensive team. They're just going to kill you. They're going to make their shots. And so I think relying on just your offense is maybe or sorry, relying on just your defense is maybe a riskier strategy against Troy because that's the kind of the type of game they are okay playing. I think if you can make it a slower, more frustrating game on offense for South Alabama on Saturday, that's the game I think that if it follows the same formula as the games that you've been playing of late, you're well in your position to win. And I mean, don't forget that Georgia State wasn't in a position to win the game in Mobile. It just kind of got away with them. And whether that was not having played as much and be a week between games, whatever, still hadn't found your shot, whatever it might have been. That was still a game that Georgia State had a lead in the second half and just in the final 10 minutes got away from them. But kind of looking forward to it. It really, it could be a situation where Georgia State fully gets back to hit, hits the reset button. And if it's not, then they're putting themselves in a tricky situation for the way the rest of the season is going to go. But we were talking about this before we started recording the podcast, but this these two games are tough, and then you're going to have to go on the road to the Carolina schools who both beat you in the sports arena. But then the final four games are against Georgia Southern, who were in the bottom of the conference with you as well the weekend of uh, February 17th and 19th. And then you finish with the Louisiana schools that you just beat, both beat on the road. And... If you can get through this stretch of four games, three and one, or even better, four and oh, 
I don't know that there's a team that has a better suitable closing stretch. Aside from technically Georgia Southern has the same stretch because it's the same schedule with the reverse fixtures. I don't think there's a better suited final four for the rest of the teams because Georgia Southern's near the bottom of the conference and neither Louisiana school is really lighting it up this year. Whereas one of the pairings in the other parts of the, the travel partners have at least one team that you really would prefer not to play. And so someone else is going to have to deal with that schedule and you might have a good final stretch, but you kind of got to get through this final, like real tough part of it and see where this weekend takes you. All right, so let's go ahead and hit a massive sports bits this week. Uh, lots and lots to talk about. Uh, we're going to head it off with a little bit of football news. We do have a schedule for football spring practice getting underway on February 22nd with 13 practices spread out across both sides of spring break. And then no pooling. Spring game will take place at 6 p.m. on April 1st in Center Park Stadium. Attendance is free and more details on that event will come closer to game day as we learn those from the school. And also, James Madison has officially announced they're joining the Sun Belt for the 2022 athletic season. School held a press conference with Sun Belt Commissioner Keith Gill on Wednesday morning, announcing the long-awaited decision. Gill said the schedule for football is set to be released on March 1st as normal, so any word on whether the three CUSA schools will also be joining up next season will come later this month. And now onto the actual schedule part of Sports Bits. We've got a couple events happening this week. Of course, today, as of the release of this podcast, men's basketball versus Troy in Atlanta. Sports Arena, 7 p.m. ESPN Plus and WRAS FM 88.5. Saturday, women's basketball travels to Georgia Southern and Statesboro, 1 p.m. on ESPN Plus. And men's basketball holds down the fort in the Sports Arena against South Alabama, 2 p.m. ESPN Plus. And then Sunday, men's tennis takes on Stetson in Atlanta at noon. And then Monday and Tuesday, women's golf at the Lipscomb Lady Bison Classic at Bay Point, presented by Under Armour in Panama City, Florida. That's, of course, a two-day event. You can see live stats on that at georgiastatesports.com. So lots to look forward to this week in Panther Athletics. We will, of course, have our live coverage of men's basketball on Thursday and Saturday. We will catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening and go Panthers.